0: You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Praise the Lord. It is good to be able to come into his presence and honor the Lord. In this way, I'm just going to go right into the message. So we don't have a whole lot of time left here, but uh, we'll just be directed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Jesus told the woman in John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. Verse 16, really. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a a husband. You have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist in that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Grissom, where our ancestors worship. And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming, and it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, Well, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to do uh, two messages on the power of praise and worship. And it'll be in two parts, so I'll do part one today. And uh, let's see how far we get with it. Worship is giving to God that which is pleasing to him. It's recognizing who God is and the responsibility to him, that we have to him in love, and in thanksgiving, responding daily in all situations for all the blessings of life, responding in faith even when things aren't going terribly right. We do this privately and we do it corporately. We do it in prayer and praise and thanksgiving. It's making him Lord, the supreme ruler of our lives. I have a little illustration here. It happened many years ago in Eastern Europe. A group of about 100 people had gathered together to worship God. Others before them had been tortured and even killed for participating in public worship. It was banned. You weren't supposed to meet together in groups. And as they were in the middle of the worship service, a few communist soldiers came in, burst through the doors, armed with machine guns and rifles. Fear gripped the hearts of the worshipers. The communists forcefully yelled, you are worshiping God and this is punishable by death. We give you two minutes to decide who is Lord of your life. If Jesus Christ is is not the Lord of your life, you may walk out here now and go home in peace and safety. But if you profess that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you must stay and pay the price. What would you do if you were faced with something like that this morning? Is Jesus truly the Lord of your life? It is possible, you know, to have just enough religion to make you miserable. You believe that? Just enough to make you miserable. Do you have a current love relationship with Jesus? Or is that relationship strained on your part? Some people come to church, they give money, they sing songs, they serve faithfully. But deep down inside, they're still Lord of their own life. But if Jesus Christ isn't Lord of all of my life, then he's not Lord of my life at all. Jesus said to worship, my first point, worship in spirit. This woman was discussing places of worship with Jesus, saying that the Jews worshipped at Jerusalem while the Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gershom. Jesus seized the opportunity and got right to the heart of the matter. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. The overall lesson about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth is that worship of God is not to be confined to a single geographical place place. You don't have to wait till Sunday to worship God. With the coming of Christ, the separation between Jew and Gentile was no longer relevant, nor was the centrality of the temple worship. All of God's children gained equal access to God through Jesus Christ. Worship has now become a matter of the heart, not external actions, and are directed by truth rather than by ceremony. And so it is a heart response to God rather than a ritual. And that's what makes it exciting. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, Moses set down for the Israelites how they are to love their God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Our worship of God is directed by our love for him. And so as we love, so we worship. Jesus expanded this expression to to mind and strength. You find it in Mark chapter 12, 30, and Luke chapter 10, 27. We won't read it for time today. To worship God in spirit and truth necessarily involves loving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul and mind and strength. Loving him with your awe. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there is a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. Worship in truth. At the same time, worship must be in truth. That is properly informed. Unless we have knowledge of the God we worship, there is no worship in truth. We're just being copycats. We're doing something that someone else is doing that knows what they're doing because they know the word of God. They know who God is. They've got a relationship with him. But sometimes the same people that are worshiping most verbally and vocally do not have a good understanding of who God is and who they are in Christ. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, so is the worship. And that's not what God intended. We worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship becomes a part of us. On the other hand, truth without the spirit can result in a dry, passionless ritual. This can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism, and we don't want that either. The best combination of both aspects of worship results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture, knowing God through the Word. The Word reveals the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit to us today. The more we know God, the more we know about God, the more we appreciate him. The more we appreciate him, the deeper our worship, the deeper our worship, the more God is glorified in our lives. and The source for truth in worship is the word of God. In Isaiah 29:13, the Lord says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. God wants heart worship. He wants us, when we say, I love you, Lord, he wants to know it's coming from the heart, and believe me, he knows. But we need to know that we're serving him because of what he has done for us. We're serving him because of the love that has been shed abroad in our hearts. Because of what we reenact in communion every month that God so loved me, even while I was a sinner, he died for me. And we begin to show our appreciation to him in worship. God's heart is not touched by tradition, but by passion and commitment. Worship is not about you. Worship is not about me. It's about God. It's unto God, and it is for God. The psalmist said, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell you the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. My third point is worship is a lifestyle. This does not mean that we're always singing and shouting. It is speaking of an attitude of the heart, as in the scripture which says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that we're always on our knees. But we are in an attitude of prayer, and every time there is a need, we go to God, we express that need, we let him know that we're depending upon him for our very livelihood, for the healing of our bodies, the saving of our souls, the financial situations of our life, everything. We need him. Praise and worship becomes a lifestyle. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to feel like it because it's a part of you, because you, as a born-again believer, is a worshiper. You are worshipers. True worship is focused on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah defined worship, which is anything but worship in truth. This was the kind of worship that they were doing. I read it before, but let me read it again. These people come near me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is of me is made up only of rules taught by men. God wants us to worship him from a natural flow of our heart. You can imagine what your marriage would be like you just give your wife a pick on the forehead and said, I love you. No emotion to it, no nothing. And you never ever did anything nice for her, never helped her in any way. Wouldn't really be very comforting to her. So it wouldn't be very convincing that I love her. Then on the other hand, I want, I want, I want, I want, you know. Make my meals, do all the the cooking and the, all of the cleaning, all of that stuff. And I love you. Doesn't work, folks. You're gonna be in trouble if you're doing that. Stop it. And start talking to her from your heart. And God wants us to talk to him that way, from the heart. Although there are millions of people in Canada who call themselves Christians, the morality of this nation is quickly going down the tubes. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Amen? It's not because there's not enough Christians claiming to be Christians. It's because there are not enough of us acting like Christians. We are not living up to the standard that the Bible sets for those who love the Lord. If we simply reserve worship for Sunday morning, we're only paying lip service to the Lord. Now, I love Sunday mornings. And I love it when we get a bit emotional in here. Amen? Amen. That's good. I mean, I don't want a religion I can't feel. I want something that I can get emotional about. And so... I I want to thank God for the opportunity to be able to come into a church building and really worship God and give him my all. Worship is much, much more than just singing songs and dancing and shouting and raising and clapping our hands, although I love it all, and I want to see more of it happening in Coal Lake Community Church. Amen? Amen? All of these are manifestations of our love and affection for the Lord. It's showing him that we do love him, that we do appreciate him. And we have a place where we can vent how we feel. And I think that's great. These are emotional outbursts of how we feel about the Savior of our soul. And that's okay. That's the way it should be in corporate worship. But make no mistake, true worship is saying it with our lives every day. You hear me? True worship is saying it with our lives every day. It must be backed up with actions at home, on the job, and in the marketplace. True worshipers desire to spend time in his presence. They have time to wait on God and to make the Lord their priority. Their minds are stayed on him. No one should ever have the excuse that I'm too busy to spend a bit of time with God every day. I don't care what time you got to get up to go to work. You can get up a half hour earlier and spend time talking to God. You'll be surprised at how good it will make your, life, your, your day go. You will be surprised at how efficient you will be on the job, and how much work you will get done if you put God first. True worshipers desire to spend time in his presence. They have time to wait on God and to make the Lord their priority. Their minds are stayed on him. When it comes to worship, we must realize that when Jesus is in our midst, We must give him all of our attention. Some of us only worship the Lord with joyful hearts when things are going well, when we're feeling okay. In times of despair, we find it difficult to focus on the greatness of God. We're more likely to focus on the greatness of our problem. We can so quickly forget the word of God. Like Romans 8.28, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working on my behalf. God is working on your behalf, regardless of what you're facing right now. The trials and the problems of life will come. But our God is greater. Amen? Psalm 34, 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God desires that we would be thankful and that we would praise him. Because he knows what it does to our human, human bodies and our human spirit as we begin to give him the honor and the glory and begin to thank him for the promises of his word that never fail. So in conclusion, this is what you've been waiting for, right? I want to challenge you to become true worshipers today. John chapter 4. 23 and 24, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seek. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Brothers and sisters, that time is now. That time is now. And we are of a group of millions upon millions of people that gather together in churches big and small all over the world. And we know how to worship. We know how to let go and let God. We know how to just pour our all out to him. Let's start doing it again. Anything less appeals to the flesh and conforms to the world. It may be entertaining, but it's dead and it stinks. It's got to be from the heart. I'm not worshiping because you're worshiping. I don't raise my hands because you raise your hands. I am worshiping God and raising my hands and trying to lift my heels off the ground, you know, a little bit when, when, when things get going good. Not because someone else is doing it, but that's really what I feel in my heart. My heart is rejoicing of what God has done. I can never praise him enough. For his love, his mercy, and his grace. How important is it for true worship? Let's let the Bible answer it. Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Folks, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We need to keep short accounts with God. We all fail miserably. We all make mistakes. Let's call it what it is. We all sin. But the Bible gives us a wonderful promise that if I sin. I can confess my sins before Him. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse me and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we stand in His righteousness today. Amen. Hallelujah. You may say, My hands are not clean, my heart is not pure. I've failed God. I've tried, and I've tried, and over and over again, I've fallen the same temptation. What can I do? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we do this, we get the junk out of our lives. We, do, we qualify to be true worshipers. And now the shout and the waving of the hands and the dancing of the feet has meaning. There's life, there's power, there's relationship because now you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Don't cover up your sin. Don't make excuses for the wrongs that you do. Ask God to forgive you and get on with life, get on with living and walking this spiritual walk with clean hands and a pure heart. And worship him with all your might. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We're going to talk about that the next time I preach. Mark is preaching next Sunday uh, and, uh, to our kickoff. But... Um, the next time I, I, I preach is going to be on worship, on, the, on the praise aspect of worship. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a rousing time, I'm sure. Uh, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise him with the string and the flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Back to the story that I began my message with. As the communist soldiers waited for an answer, a deacon of that church, a man who many looked up to, bowed his head in shame, and walked out of that meeting place. A young lady who thought that she was too young to die rose up and walked out. A teacher of the word, weak in faith, chose to walk out as well. One by one, half of those that were in that place bowed their heads and walked out, but there were still about 50 people who remained. They were strong. They feared nothing or no one but God himself. They believed, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The communists asked, any more? This is your last chance. When all who wanted to leave had left, the group of communist soldiers put down their guns and rifles and said, we acknowledge your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. We also are believers in Jesus Christ. And we were looking to be with those who are true worshipers. Are you a true worshiper? Let's worship the Lord. There's an old song we used to sing one time. We worship and adore you, bowing down before you. Songs of praises, singing hallelujahs, ringing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All oh, praise the Lord. God is good, folks. He's calling us into something that is way beyond us. He's preparing our hearts. These words are not my words, folks. I'm not capable of putting this kind of stuff together. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us as a congregation. I just want you to know there's power in praise and worship, tremendous power. When you realize that everything that you're doing for the Lord is worship. And then praise, the power of praise. We'll look at the next time. But let's just stand right now and end off this service worshiping and praising the Lord. If anybody needs prayer, you come and we'll pray with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.